Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today on this beautiful 90-degree day? Woo! Anybody felt like they've been in a sauna for the last week or so? What? Again? All right, children, young people, adios. I was going to give them a hard time and say, boy, I'm glad you dressed up for the pace-setting leadership. And then I was going to say, but they're working with our kids today outside, so they get away with it. Wow, that's a lot more than, wait a minute. How old are you, young lady? Uh-huh. All right. So, how many like smiley faces? talking about Bible translations and or other things that they call them by, like paraphrase. I wanted to just show you a few. And, and by the way, there, there are a lot of different translations and paraphrases. But I wanted to show you these just because they're more or less the ones that I tend to use. And let me just say, a translation means that somebody knew the original language, whether it was Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic, and they translated it into a language we could understand, English, okay? Um, as you can see with the NLT, there were 90 different scholars who put that together, and, and that was over years. It wasn't like, hey, how about next week we get together and translate the Bible? No. It was years that these... Uh, very intelligent, scholarly men got together and came into agreement on what they felt the Bible said. The New Living Translation, the NIV, there were over 100 scholars who put that together. Uh, the King James, there were 47 men, and, and they were pastors. They were uh, higher-ups in the, in the church. Uh, they didn't have what we call scholars back then, per se. Uh, and then I wanted to get to the Passion Translation, which is something that uh, someone brought to my attention recently, and they said, you know, it seems like you're using that an awful lot. And I said, well, I said, sometimes I feel like it really says something amazing about this verse. But what I want you to understand is one man wrote that. What does that mean? That means that there's a whole lot of bias in his translation. So don't use it as your main go-to, okay? The, the TPT, the message is the same. I love reading from the message, especially if I'm just doing like a devotional where I just want to kind of get into the story a little bit. Uh, it tends to put it in a story kind of way. And uh, Eugene Peterson did an amazing job with it. But don't use it as your main study text. Uh, the ESV is another great one. And I could go on, but I just wanted you to understand that when I'm preaching, I typically use the NLT, which is a pretty strong translation. A paraphrase is when a man, one man, turns it into what he thinks the Bible is saying. I hope I'm making sense, but I just wanted you to understand that if you didn't already know it. All right, everybody with me? Let's pray. Father, we are again just blessed beyond measure today. Thank you for the air conditioning. Lord, thank you for a beautiful church to uh, come together and lift up your name. 
Thank you for a family of believers who love you and love each other. And Lord, we ask now that you would just help us to apply this message that's coming at us. Lord, I, I, I've struggled with this this week. And uh, I hope and I trust, Lord, this is from your heart to us. Help me to deliver it. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I want to talk about pleasing God, how to put a smile on his face. We don't often think of this. How many here think of ways you can put a smile on God's face? A few of you. All right, thanks for being honest. Not everybody wants. Because life happens, right? It gets us off track. We, we aren't necessarily those spiritual beings that we should be. But that doesn't change who God is. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change like we do. He's not fickle. You can put your faith and trust in him. He's going to be the same tomorrow just as he was today. And the, the big thing is, and this is what we've got to get in our spirit, God loves us. How many have a parent? Come on. <laughs> Lift your hands up. Nobody be here if you didn't have one. And let me just say, my mother, Joan Oberlin, is sitting right back there today. Love you, Mom. She's been with us this past week, and it's been a lot of fun between her and her two dogs. Maybe not the two dogs as much, but I love my mom. We tolerate the dogs because of her. But when, when you do things that please your mom or your dad, what's it do? Puts a smile on their face. Maybe some of you, you didn't get to see that all that much. You were one of those. Not saying I was or wasn't. We'll just leave it at that. I don't know how many, if I ever put a smile on your face, maybe I did later, but. Our God, our Heavenly Father, has given us everything that we need to live a victorious life free from sin and death. And we ought to be putting a smile on his face. Now, I couldn't come up with a better idea than the, the little happy face on a balloon. But it gets the point across. That doesn't really represent God, but you understand the context of what I'm trying to get at today. As a believer, we should be looking for ways to please the Lord. And not just Sunday morning but Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday as well. Because that's the kind of God we serve. That means first that each of us needs to come to Him, right? We need to experience salvation through the blood of Christ. Repent of our sins and give thanks for what He's done for our lives. Nothing makes God happier than when his kids come to him for salvation. My first scripture, in the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels when one sinner repents. Let me tell you something. When somebody gets saved, and this is how important it is to God, heaven rejoices 
And I can promise you that God's right in that mix. He's got a smile on his face when somebody comes to Christ. Amen? So what should we be all about? If you want to put a smile on God's face. What? Thank you. Gee, one person got it. We have been given a mission. And what is that mission? Oh my goodness, you guys are rough today. Tell people about Jesus, right? Tell them about what he's done for you. Do the mission, as I like to call it, and go. And this comes from none other than Matthew 28, and I have that up there. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's our mission. That was his commission. Partner with him. Go and tell people about what God has done for you. Is there anybody here that God's done something for you? Wow, I got a little bit of a response. That's nice. I'm not picking on you. I'm just trying to get you charged up. I don't want to be the only one here today. When you study what it, what it means to partner with God, we should get excited about this. He has given us everything we need. Everything we need to carry out that commission or the mission of the church. He didn't leave anything out. So when you say, well, you know, brother, I don't know, I don't know if I'm there yet. Uh, you know, I can't. I can't, I don't know if I can lead somebody to the Lord, Pastor. That's pretty, nobody's asking you to. You know what you should be doing? Telling people what he's done for you. It's that simple. We call it a what? Testimony. What has the Lord done in your life? What's he done? Anything? Who can stand up and shout, Jesus, because he's done something in your life? Your story can change somebody's life. I've shared mine so many times. I've told people who I used to be. And not in a boastful kind of way. Yeah, I was a chief of sinners. No. I'm embarrassed every time I have to talk about the old man. But man, do I get excited when I get to talk about the new, revitalized, transformed, normal Berlin. I was a jerk, but I am no more. Thanks to Jesus. And the power, and the power of the Holy Spirit in me. Because I couldn't make it otherwise. I couldn't do what I do otherwise. We need to tell our story. And I wanted to share this, this verse. Now, this guy had a legion of demons in him. 
Hello? What's that mean? A thousand. A thousand demons inside of him, tormenting him. He was beating himself up. And then Jesus. Jesus came on the scene. And he said, out! And of course, he didn't have to say in the name of Jesus because he was Jesus. Out! (laughs) And the man was delivered. As Jesus was getting into the boat after this happened, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Who wouldn't want to stay with Jesus after that? The man just delivered you from the demonic realm. You know that he's something. But Jesus said, no. What? Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you. Thank you, Jesus. And how merciful he has been. That red is my highlight. We can't keep this stuff inside of us. We have been desensitized. We have had a muzzle, and I'm talking the church, capital C. We have had a muzzle put on us. Well, you can't go tell people about Jesus. Why not? And what did, he, what did Jesus tell the man to do? Go home and tell your family what? What God has done for you. How hard is that? Do you need a degree to do that? No. Do you have to know the Bible front, front to back to do that? No. Tell people your story. Stop keeping it to yourself. You may not have been delivered from thousands of demons... But you've been set free from the bondage of sin and death. And that means you are free because of the gift of salvation that Jesus has given you. We have so much to rejoice for. Tell people, tell people. And I use the word master. That's not a popular word today because they always go back to the slave times. And I don't, I don't mean to even make that connection Master means that he, well, I'm doing it right now. I'm going through a master's program. It means that when I get done, I should be a master of Pentecostal theology and leadership. I should understand it front to back. Jesus knew everything there was to know about God. He was the master. And we go to him for that reason. Because he knows everything. Get in the Word. Understand what it means to follow Him. And here's another thing I wanted to point out. There is no pressure to be a disciple of Jesus. Other than what you're getting from me right now. I'm just trying to get you to see. You want to put a smile on God's face? Start living for Him. Start showing people what He's done in your life and stop keeping it to yourself. This is so important. How many, if you knew 
Jesus was coming back tomorrow and his church was going to be taken up to heaven, how many would be busy today trying to get a hold of every friend, every family member, every neighbor to tell them about Jesus? What are we waiting for? It could happen tomorrow. That's pretty good preaching, Pastor. If I don't say so myself. There is no pressure to perform. You do this because you want to put a smile on his face. You want heaven to rejoice. You, you want people to come to the knowledge of God's saving grace. That is what should drive us once we have been born again. Our part's simple. What's our part? Who knows what part one is? I already kind of talked about it. We have to come to Him. We have to believe. How many have seen God personally in the flesh? Nope. Nobody. So what's that mean? It means you have to believe. Because you don't see Him. Sometimes you sense him. One of the songs we sang today talked about that. We sense his presence. Anybody? You probably felt that, right? Believe by faith that the Bible is truth. That God has saved you. That he wants you and me to live in heaven forever with him. And he wants all men to be saved. Are all men saved? No. Not yet. He has an army that's already on this earth, an army of believers, that if we would just open our pie holes, as some call it, we might help somebody to find their way. Now, you need to obviously lift up prayer for those people, be led by the Spirit, and so on. But don't use that as an excuse. When God says go, then go. Tell that person what he's done for you. <coughs> Hebrews 11.1. 1. Read this with me. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You want to please God? Exercise your faith. Is this rocket science? Do you have to be a theologian or a scholar to understand this? You know what I love about Jesus? When he talked to people, he was simple. He did not give them this, this message that was impossible to understand. He made it clear and simple so that the common man could run with it. Nobody has an excuse. Nobody.
Hallelujah. Oh, by the way, I said 11-1. That's not 11-1. That's 11-6. Oops. Typo. Somebody yell at me later. I mean, gently encourage me in the spirit. And listen to me. When people hear your story, they're not always going to believe what you're telling them. But you have to believe that your story is going to make a difference. It's like a seed being planted in that person's heart. And it will grow. It will bear fruit if you keep praying for them and and just let God move in their lives. But when you tell somebody your story, you're, you're helping to shed a little bit of light on what faith is, and then you're helping to remove some of that doubt. And enough, if enough of us take up this challenge, this commission to go, and you have three or four or ten or twelve people come into your life, and you're not a believer, but they keep telling you about Jesus, what do you think is going to happen eventually? You're going to start going, man, all these people are talking about this Jesus guy. Maybe I ought to look into it. That's what happened to me. I heard it enough, and I finally decided to do something about it, and the rest is history. He met me right where I was at, and he saved me. We need to get out and tell our story. That'll put a smile on God's face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Never be silent about what God has done for you. Never be silent about what God has done for you. Mark 16, it says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They'll cast out demons in my name, just as Jesus did. They will speak in new languages. We've talked about that to some degree over the last few weeks. They will be able to handle snakes with safety and, they, they, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will What's the main action verb in this passage? Believe. 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 We must believe. Hallelujah. I started out by saying, how many try to please the Lord with your life? In Luke 10, and and when I saw this, I was kind of taken back because I'd never caught this before. In Luke 10, Jesus sent out the 72 disciples. What does that mean? He was growing the church. He started with how many? Twelve. Now he's got 72. Later we read about the 500. And then the church explodes and Peter gives his address and 3,000 are added to the church that day. We have the victory. 
If you're a disciple of Jesus, you've got everything you need to rock Satan's kingdom to the glory of God. But I fear that too many of us are doing this. We're afraid. What will people think? What will people say? Really? Who cares? If you're pleasing God, if you're putting a smile on His face, you're in the right place. Stop worrying about what men can do and start thinking about what God can do to His glory. So He sent out these 72 And he gives them a whole list. I'm not going to go through it. You can go back to uh, Luke 10 and you can read that on your own. But one of the things I wanted to point out is he said this. He said, don't take anything with you but the clothes on your back. Don't even take money. Don't even take a weapon. And you tell them about me. You tell them about what I've done in your life. You tell them that the kingdom of God is upon them. And they need to repent. And they went out. And they prayed for people. And they healed the sick, or God did through them. And what happened? What was the result? I want to jump down to verse 17. When they returned to Jesus, when the 72 disciples returned, They joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Woo! That's pretty cool. But Jesus said, Yes, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. We could skim over this, but I I just want to say, do you know what this means? You catch this? This is Jesus talking. What's it saying? Scholars? Jesus was there when Satan fell from heaven. He was there in the beginning. He is God. He is God. Yes, he came in the flesh. He is God. As much as he's man, he's God. I saw Satan from heaven fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. That's good news. Now here's the part I want you to catch that I've missed. My highlight in red. At that time, (laughs) Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said, oh Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. Why did Jesus have a smile on his face? Why? 
What had just happened? His people figured it out. This is what we've been commanded to do. Let's go do it. They did it. God showed up. People were healed. People were delivered. They were saved. Or they repented of their sins, I should say. Nobody was saved till Jesus went to the cross. But that's, a, that's another story for another day. But what they did put a smile on Jesus' face. The joy of the Holy Spirit was in him. He was proud of his kids. What did it take? It took his disciples to be obedient, to go tell their story. Not that hard. How many want to put a smile on God's face? The disciples didn't take anything but the clothes on their backs when they left. But the result, many were healed, saved, and delivered. God gave them everything they needed. Everything. And I'm going to get into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Actually, I thought I was going to do it today. And then he gave me this. And their success put a smile on Jesus' face. I want to get up tomorrow and think, what can I do today to put a smile on his face? He's given us his all. When we do the right things, it brings joy to the Lord. You and I already have everything we need to carry out this mission he's given us. And we can easily put a smile on his face. Nothing more is required than a willing heart and the faith to believe. Just do what comes at you in Jesus' name. Are you with me? Now I want to share this. Actually, I have two more, but I want to share this. I've read this over and over and over and over, and I've taken it out of context. Now, Nehemiah had gone back to rebuild the walls of the temple in Jerusalem. They'd fallen apart. This was after 70 years of, of uh, what do you call it, exile. They were under foreign domination. And when he went back, he began to put the people together again. And the Bible says they actually had a sword in one hand and, and a, a trowel in the other. And they went at it to rebuild that temple. What does the temple represent? A place where God met with them. All right? They wanted to be in his presence again. They wanted to do whatever it took to get there. And he went through this whole, uh, it was about two months, and they went through this whole rebuilding process to rebuild the walls, and finally it was done. And then he said, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Let's begin to worship the Lord 
And he added this part at the very end. There's a lot more to this verse, but I just wanted you to see this. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And it hit me. All these, all these years, I've been saying, like, joy is our strength. But it's the Lord's joy. He was happy with his people. With what they had done, because they had done it to his glory. And Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord... When he smiles on you, he's going to give you strength. How many could use some strength? Man, when you put a smile on God's face, you get strength to get through this life. I want to tell you what. You want to know what's on the other side? Read Revelation 20, 21, and 22. But let me tell you this. It's good news. No tears. Streets of gold. No pain, no death. Nobody calling you names. Nobody thinking they're better than you. And we're going to always be in the presence of the Lord. (laughs) The joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what's coming. But we got to get there. We got to finish this race. As Paul said, We've got to complete our assignment. When God's happy, we're strengthened. And then one more, and then I'm going to close. The Apostle Paul told the church in 1 Thessalonians 4.1, he said, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, to live in a way that pleases God, as we have always taught you. And he goes on to say, you live this way already. And we encourage you to do so. What? Even more. And that's where I'm going to leave this with you. I encourage you to do so. And even more than what you've been doing. Is this a message you can take with you this week? Can you practice it? How would we practice this? Tell somebody your story. Tell somebody your story. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you an opportunity. And tell somebody your story. Don't make it more than it is. And the Bible says that when you open your mouth, the Holy Spirit will fill it. He'll tell you what to say. And maybe, just maybe, (laughs) you'll get to tell somebody how to get saved. Ooh, uh, wait, Pastor, that, that's more than I can do. Really? All you have to do is say, ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. How many can remember that? If you get somebody to that place, how many have ever done that? Is it cool? To see a little baby come into the world. Oh, And by that I mean transformational baby, born again. There's nothing like it. And it puts a smile on heaven. Heaven's face, if I can say that. And on God's face. Would you stand with me?
So the bottom line, we don't need a degree. We don't need a million bucks. We have everything we need already. We only need the faith of a child or a childlike faith. And when God is happy, <laughs> we are strong. His church is strong. And things happen. People are healed, delivered. And they repent of their sins and they come to the Lord. I think we are in, I know we're in a difficult day. And personally, I, I, I always feel when I see this kind of stuff, that we're close. We are close to when Jesus is coming back. But as a church, let us be faithful doing what he's commissioned us to do, sharing our story with people, not being silent. Don't be muzzled. Father, again, I, I've delivered this message best I can. And now it's in your hands. Lord, we look to you as our source. You're our inspiration. You are our master. And we want to duplicate our lives accordingly. We want to be like you. We want to share your good news or the good news of the kingdom. Help us with that, Lord. Give us opportunity. Lord, we pray today that as we go out this week, there would be people in our lives who we can say, hey, you know the Lord? And when they look at us with those deer in the headlight looks, help us just to add to that. Let me tell you what he's done for me. And then share our story. Let us keep it brief and amazing. And Lord, then do what only you can do. Change that person's heart. And Lord, if there are any here today that don't know you as their personal Savior, I pray that they would turn from their sins and ask you to forgive them and make you front and center, number one in their life today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, God bless you. Thanks for coming out today. I hope you remember this message.